Welcome to the Redeemer East Harlem podcast. We pray this message leads you both to know and show the love of Christ in all areas of life. We will now dive into our scripture reading, followed by this week's message. Gálatas 5, 22 al 24. En cambio, el fruto del Espíritu es amor, alegría, paz, paciencia, amabilidad, bondad, fidelidad, humildad y dominio propio. No hay ley que condene estas cosas. Los que son de Cristo Jesús han crucificado la naturaleza pecaminosa con sus pasiones y deseos. Marcos 1, 39 al 45. Así que recorrió toda Galilea predicando en las sinagogas y expulsando demonios. Jesús sana a un leproso. Un hombre que tenía lepra se le acercó y de rodillas le suplicó, si quieres puedes limpiarme. Movido a compasión, Jesús extendió la mano y tocó al hombre diciendo, sí, quiero, queda limpio. Al instante se le quitó la lepra y quedó sano. Jesús lo despidió enseguida con una fuerte advertencia. Mira, no sea, eh, no se lo digas a nadie, solo ve, preséntate al sacerdote y lleva por tu purificación lo que ordenó Moisés para que le sirva de testimonio. Pero él salió y comenzó a hablar sin reserva, divulgando lo sucedido. Como resultado, Jesús ya no podía entrar en ningún pueblo abiertamente, sino que se quedaba fuera en lugares solitarios. Aún así, gente de todas partes seguía acudiendo a él. This is the word of God. Good morning. Yes, I'm probably a little more interactive than you're used to. So good morning. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Um, I bring greetings from Renaissance Christian Church. Also, we're, we're neighbors, and so we say hello. Um, a couple things about, I, just, I love Justin. Can I say that? Is that a, <laughs> they're like, yes, you better say that. I love Justin, and I, one of the main reasons that this collaboration is so important to me is because he firmly believes in what I believe in that uh, really the best way to talk about the goodness of the God that we serve, those of us who've put our faith in Jesus, the best way to talk about it is to be relational, to go into the community, to earn the right, we say in Young Life. You earn the right to share the gospel. Now, how do you do that? By sharing your life. And I just applaud him for, uh, for, for believing in that and sticking to that. And Young Life's been doing that for over 80 years in a, over a hundred countries, reaching over two million young people across the world. And we get the privilege to do that right in here in Manhattan and, and specifically here in East Harlem. And I'm thankful for that. So let me just pray really quick and I'll jump into our text this morning. Holy Spirit, be with us. Oh God, would you speak to us in Jesus' name, amen. I'm a basketball fan. Do I have any basketball fans in the room? Yes, yes. Some people tell me when I go and speak, um, don't make so many basketball analogies, but because it's kind of a male-dominated thing, but I find that there are a lot of women who love basketball. Yes? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. So I do enjoy that, but I, I'm a big basketball fan, and I also like to eat. Uh, and so here in, in Manhattan, you get an opportunity to go places and eat. So. I took my wife out to um, an impromptu dinner, and 
I call myself trying to be, you know, earn some points. For those of us who are married in the room, you, I see some men laughing with me. You know what I mean. There's sometimes you have to earn some points, right? And so it's impromptu. And this particular restaurant, it's one that I love, but I don't often get the chance to go there because it's a little further downtown. Sometimes it's annoying having to go downtown, but um, it's Burger and Lobster. Anybody familiar with Burger and Lobster? A couple people, okay, all right. I love it, and guess what they sell? <laughs> exactly, burgers and lobster, it's amazing. So my wife and I have become fond of this place, so we get there. Now I pull up to the front, thankfully there's parking, it's a little later than seven o'clock, so alternate side I don't have to worry about, or any meters. Um, so we pull up, uh, we get there, I'm in the front, but now I have to find a parking spot, because this particular spot I can't park in, it says no parking at any time, you know what that means in New York. That means your car will be towed, definitely. Um, and so she goes in first to get us a table. So she goes in, she's hanging out, cool. I go find a parking spot, great. Everything's looking good. I am on the road to getting a whole lot of points. So I get to the door and I see my wife standing next to a gentleman. And this gentleman is, can I just say, super tall, okay? I'm not that short. I'm just not that tall. You know what I mean? So comparatively, this guy is, I mean, he's a giant. So I get in. Now, I could only see his legs, and I can see my wife talking to him, but she's looking extra friendly. So I'm like, huh, okay, who are you extra friendly talking to? Here I am trying to get points, and you want to be extra friendly today. So I get in, um, and she, she grabs me, and she says, look. And I turn around and it's David Robinson. It's the Admiral himself. And I'm a big basketball fan. So a two-time NBA All-Star, uh, NBA champion. He's been an All-Star se several times. He's a Hall of Famer, one of uh, the top 50 greatest players in the NBA. And I am in awe. One, because he's super tall. Two, because it's David Robinson. We got into an exchange and we began to talk. I asked him some basketball questions. He indulged a conversation with me for at least 5.7 minutes. And I thoroughly appreciated that. I, I really appreciated that. But it left me with this question. I wonder what other superstars are like. I wonder what Allen Iverson is like. He's one of my favorite basketball players. I wonder what, what Jason Kidd is like. It, it just left me thinking, my interaction with him was so small, but it left me thinking, I, I wonder if he's like that all the time. And you know, I think we have a similar question spiritually. I think we often ask the question, what is God like? Now maybe for some of us here, it's not an audible thing. Maybe we don't sit around and say, man, I wonder what God is like. But deep down in the crevices of our hearts, Maybe we ask that question. What is God really like? I know for me, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up connected to a faith community. And so I often heard about this God who was loving. I often heard about this God who would do so much for me. But in my community, I saw so much absence. I saw so much tension. I saw the antithesis of the things that people said this God was about. And so it left me with this question, I wonder what God is like. And if I were to be honest, even those of us who follow Jesus, there is a part of us 
when we think about our lives and the things we engage in, there probably is a part of us that is still asking that question, what is God, what is God like? And I'm amazed that the Bible uh, gives, us, gives me an answer. And so, to, to, to be honest, it's beautiful. I find it beautiful that God didn't leave us to our own devices to answer that question. I find it actually mind-blowing that God, in His majesty, in His bigness, in His goodness, in His dopeness. Can I use that word here? Okay. Um, he chose to say, you know what? I'm not going to leave you to guess what I am like. I'm going to come to you and actually introduce myself. In the Christian circles, we call that the incarnation, the doctrine of incarnation, the reality that God put on human nature. And so if we want to know what God is like, we look to Jesus because Jesus is fully God and fully man. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And neither of those should be overemphasized. Somehow, in a, in, in a magnificent way, those things coexisted in Jesus. The Bible says that he's the visible image of an invisible God. Hebrews says that he's the radiance of God's glory. Hebrews 1. And it says he's the exact representation of his nature. For me, for someone who didn't grow up in the church, and I would imagine for those people who grew up in the church, I just really hope we don't, um, we don't become so familiar with what our God has done that we just treat it haphazardly. The incarnation is actually at the crux of the Christian hope that there's a God that comes to us. He doesn't leave us to just guess about him. He comes to us. Now, Here's why, for, again, for me, that was super important because what I did generally, and most of us do this maybe, I compared myself to other people. I never really compared myself to God. And so when I looked at my life as a young person, even as a young adult, I was like, you know what, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I, I got a chance to play basketball. I got a scholarship to college. I, play, I signed a contract in 05 to, to play semi-professional basketball. And I would look around and I'm like, I'm not them. I'm not him. I don't, I don't do those things per se. But there were things that I was doing that were in opposition to the way God created me and designed me. But I was too focused on comparing myself to other people that I didn't see it. But when you look at the incarnation, when you look at a scripture like Luke, uh, Luke 5, when Jesus steps, he's, he's teaching and he steps into a boat and then Peter interacts and he sees him and, and Peter says, let, let me get away from you because I'm a man of unclean lips. The, the, the standard changes when you stop comparing yourself to everyone else and you look at what Jesus has done. He's lived the perfect human experience. And so when I get to scriptures, and here at REH, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And when I get to scriptures, particularly uh, like this, I, I take an examination of my own life and I say, you know what? Man, I struggle with these. And I want to zero in on gentleness today. And I want to look at a passage that allows us to see how gentleness, uh, how it looks in action. Go with me to Mark 1, 39, and I love that we got a chance to read it, but if you can follow along with me, I want to look 
I'm really amazed by understanding how God interacts with people that are like me. I believe that is one of the most fascinating things about the Christian faith, that I have examples of how Jesus, fully God, fully man, has interacted with people like me. Mark 1, 39. He, Jesus, went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. I want to pause for a second. I, it struck me often, why is Jesus preaching in the synagogues? Why is that happening? And doing some research, you understand that synagogues actually were places that, that you could actually house strangers. Did y'all know that? That was, that was new information for me. Synagogues were places where you would house strangers, where you could get water, where um, uh, you, could get, you can get food. And so it made sense why Jesus was preaching and teaching in synagogues. Verse 40, Then a man with leprosy came to him and on his knees begged him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. This idea of leprosy, leprosy here was... Uh, literally a term that, that was used just to cover all skin diseases. Anything flaky, anything that, any skin disease that was happening at the time in Jesus' day, they used the term leprosy to describe that. But, but here's what else we have to understand about this man who is, Luke says he was covered in leprosy. He had to live in remote communities. Whenever he walked through the neighborhood, if imagine him walking down 116th and 1st Avenue, he would have to say, unclean, unclean. He would scream that out so people could remain six feet from him. Many people don't know, uh, I, I, this was new to me also, when I, when I got to study about leprosy, I had a friend of mine who moved to, a, to, a, uh, to live in a, lepers, a, a colony uh, with lepers. And one of the things that happened with leprosy, it's one of those diseases that actually attacks your nervous system. And so not only would lepers have to be ostracized because they couldn't stay in the community, they had to form their own communities, um, not only did they have to yell six feet, but they would have a condition that would make them numb. I wonder, we may not be struggling with leprosy, but I wonder if some of us in the church are numb. I wonder if there are some things in our lives that are eating away at our nervous system and our ability to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life. I wonder if we are engaging in things, maybe it's intellect, maybe it's stuff, uh, busyness. I wonder if we are engaging in things just so we could feel numb. I challenge us to examine that. We may not be wrestling with leprosy today, but we probably are battling the numbness that we feel at times. You ever read God's word? You wanted to go to God's word, but when you read it, it was, you felt numb? I hope you can be honest and bold about that, if that is you. But this man, this leper, who would have been ostracized, he came, he humbled himself, he, he got before Jesus, he said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He fully believed that Jesus had the power and ability to heal him. I wonder if there's some situations in our life where we've stopped thinking that Jesus has the power to heal us. I wonder if there's some things in our life that, that we're questioning, will God actually step in? 
Because he's saying, the leper here is saying, if you are willing, knowing that so many people around him, all these other people, all these other rabbis and teachers, everyone else around him was not willing. They treated him like the, the, the unclean person that he was designated to be. See, to be designated unclean, the priest had to look at you and say, hey, you're, you're unclean. You have to go uh, be ostracized and go to the other community. But verse 41, fully God, fully man. Jesus showing us what God is like. Verse 41, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him, be made clean. Man, there are some areas of our life that I believe God wants to touch. I think the best ability is availability. Have you made those spaces available to him? Are there places in your life where you're, you're like, God, I, I'll, you can touch all of this, but you can't touch this? I wonder. But Jesus says, I am willing. And it's magnificent here. We see Jesus touch him. When Luke describes this account, Luke says he was covered in leprosy. It would have been an absolute no-no to touch him. But yet Jesus touches him. You know why I believe Jesus does that? Because Jesus epitomized gentleness. See, I think, you, you know what's really cool? Jesus responds to this man's condition in a gentle way. He responds with a touch. If he was covered in leprosy, that means for years, because leprosy takes a while. That would have meant for years he went without touch. And fully God, Jesus, who's fully God, fully man, knew that this man would have been on earth without uh, decent, intimate human interaction with no touch. And so Jesus crosses all the barriers knowing that one touch from the God of the universe, he would be healed. He reaches out and touches him. I don't just think he was, he was restored for healing. I think there was something in his heart that was made right as well. He was created the image of God. He has dignity and honor. And Jesus restores that, in a sense, by touching him to heal him. What a gentle response to a condition that would have left a man ostracized, that would have left him as an outcast, that would have left him um, apart from society, unable to actually worship, to actually step into... The, the, the faith, the space where he could have met God. What a gentle response from such a gentle God. And so when I'm met with passages from Paul, when I, when I see the, this encouragement, this exhortation from Paul in Galatians 5 to be led by the Spirit and the byproduct of the Spirit in our lives producing gentleness, I step back and think to myself, man, I can't do that. See, because my natural incl inclination is to respond to this man's condition abrasively. And I think your natural inclina inclination, if walking around the neighborhood, that maybe there's people who don't look like you, don't sound like you, don't read what you read, don't vote like you vote. Can I say that? Is that okay? I'm sorry, Justin. I'm sorry. You'll have to, you'll get some emails about this, I'm sure. 
But, but I wonder if, if we are honest about our proclivity to be more abrasive than gentle. I wonder if the church has forgotten, I wonder if we, we would rather be correct than be gentle. I, I, I wonder if we would rather be right than be gentle. See, Paul says, also says, and if, in Philippians 4, 5, he says, your graciousness should be evident to all. Well, how is it going to be evident to all if you don't believe all deserve graciousness and gentleness? The CSP uses graciousness. Other translations use gentleness. But how could you be gentle to all if you don't believe all deserve it? Well, here's what's amazing about this account. Let me finish it. Uh, verse 42, immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. In Mark's gospel, you've got to always underline the word immediately. Mark is trying to get us to see who this, this Jesus is. Then he sternly warned him and sent him away at once, telling him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priests and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Verse 45, yet he went out and began to proclaim it. Yet he, the he here is the leper, he went out and began to proclaim it widely and to spread the news with the result that Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he was out in deserted places and they came to him from everywhere. This is such a juxtaposition here. The leper was the one who was out on deserted places, who could not interact with society and community. He could not be a part of the worship service. And we see now he, this great exchange has happened. Jesus has touched him and healed him. And now because of this man's um, uh, proclaiming of the news that happened to him, Jesus could no longer enter these open spaces because he was so crowded with people who also wanted to be healed that he was out on the outskirts. Well, here's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus responded to our condition gently. He didn't look at our condition and punish us for, for what our condition deserved, right? That's the truth about the gospel. Well, he came, he put on, took on, took to himself human nature he died a criminal's death and he rose on the dirt third day so you and i wouldn't have to remain in deserted places because of our sin condition the exchange the great exchange happens here jesus now is on the outskirts because he has given this leper the place that he was created to be back in relationship with god and again, I wonder if you and I struggle with gentleness because we don't believe that God is gentle with us. See, my biggest thing growing up, I think everyone uh, here would have a variation of what you thought God was like. There was a time in, in my life where I thought God was a pushover dad. You know what? If I just do whatever I want to do, I'll come home, I'll tell him I'm sorry, he'll forgive me, I'll be good. But that's not biblical. There were times in my life where I thought, you know what, God is this military dad. That God wants me to do everything right. He wants me to do everything he wants to do. And the minute I don't do what he wants me to do, he's going to punish me. But that's not biblical. 
Some of us think that, that and, and, and this, there was times in my life where I thought God was a deadbeat dad. That he doesn't really care what my, what my affairs are. I'm just going to go ahead and do whatever I want to do because he's going to do whatever he wants to do. But that's not biblical. See, God is a gentle God. He looks at our condition. He sees and fully knows us well. Paul says in Romans, but God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died. I wonder if as a church we struggle with gentleness because somewhere in the crevice of our hearts, we believe God won't be gentle with us. There's nothing that you're wrestling with. There's nothing that you have done. There's nothing that you will do that God won't be gentle with you about. Do you believe that God is gentle? And when you do, and if you do, then you will be you will be motivated. You will be exhorted as Paul is intending in this Galatians 5 when, he, when, when the Holy Spirit is working in us. You will be more inclined to be gentle to, with people than to be correct. Um, um, Paul also says that when someone is in Galatians, when, when he says when someone is, uh, uh, has done wrong, we are to restore them gently. Where's the gentleness in the church? Why are we so quick to tell people how wrong they are or what mistakes they've made when the God of the universe comes and sees our condition and touches us anyway? Psalm, the psalmists, who are the poets of the Old Testament, in my opinion, they say, taste and see that the Lord is good. How can the world taste and see that the Lord is good when the church isn't gentle? Here's my encouragement. Remind yourself that Jesus is gentle. That there's nothing in your life that he won't come and be a part of. There's other accounts where the woman who was bleeding, she, she worked so hard to touch just the hem of his garment, to touch his cloak. And you know what? She goes nameless. The only title she's given is daughter. Whew. She goes from a woman bleeding who's unclean to being called daughter. That's how we know her. That's the only way we know her. As the woman who is bleeding who's called daughter. Jesus is gentle. There's a, there's a, a, a tax collector named Levi. I mean, you, you, Levi too, but I was thinking of Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector. Jesus has dinner with him. He's gentle. Would you do this for me this week? Would you look for opportunities to be gentle? And could you start with yourself? Could you be gentle with yourself first? Because Jesus is. And then make yourself available to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. And the more you pray and the more you sin, you ask, Lord, chain, turn my heart. Make my heart beat for the things that you beat for. I trust that then your gentleness will be evident to all because you first experienced the gentleness of Jesus. Can I pray?
God, thank you for your gentle response to our condition. God, we are moved by that. Would you help our gentleness be evident to all? Let them taste and see that the Lord is good through how we are gentle. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Redeemer East Harlem podcast. For more information on our church and how you can support what God is doing through our church, go to www.reh.nyc.